Hello and welcome to another episode of Father and Joe. I'm Joe Rocky here with Father Bonifacics. And Father, going off of the conversation that we had last week, where you had mentioned that Mary was sinless, and therefore because she was sinless, she didn't have natural defenses that we have all built up. And I wanted to kind of elaborate upon that thought that you gave us there in that when we sin, most of us have one version or another, however you call it, a guilt come upon us that we know we did something wrong, but we did it anyway. Regardless of how we got there, that's kind of the end result. We have this, we feel bad. And that's self-inflicted. But then there's also the pain and harm we inflict upon someone else by whatever sin it is that we created. And as we discussed in the last episode, when we were discussing the Holy Family, that Mary, being without sin, would not have gone through those experiences. And same with Joseph after he receives the grace um, after the Annunciation. So with that being said, we then discussed how that pain naturally creates us to build defenses. Defenses that them and themselves can create additional pain, but something that will hinder us from being open and fully experiencing to the world. So I wanted to kind of really dig into that because we all are people of sin and whether we have recognized it or not, all of us have built some type of defenses or another. And I kind of want to discuss that Paul, that practice that's a human nature thing, because what I have found, the more we know about something and the more we can consciously affect it, you know, the better we can be moving forward. There still might be knee jerk things we can't handle, but in general, we can create a policy for ourselves, which in turn will make lives better for ourselves, everyone around us, and you know, ultimately everyone. So that's kind of what I wanted to dive into in today's episode and see where it goes. Yeah, that's a uh, it's a fun topic. You know, I just uh, did a quick search on defense mechanisms and. Uh, you know, as uh, not surprising, there's lots of things out on the internet about those. I found one article that says top 10 most common defense mechanisms, and I'll just read them down and it'll help to orient us towards uh, real experiences that we're talking about. Number one is denial. Number two is repression. Number three is projection. Number four is displacement. Number five is regression. Number six is rationalization. Number seven is sublimation. Number eight is reaction formation. Number nine is compartmentalization. Number 10 is intellectualization. So those are, uh, well, it's one listing of defense mechanisms. So that's the kind of thing that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. uh, compartmentalization, for example, is uh, sticking something in some other category and then just sort of not dealing with it. And, uh, we, you know, and the thing is, we do, we all do a little bit of this as uh, just a necessary part of functioning. Uh, we don't bring work home to a certain extent. Uh, of course, we bring it home a little bit, and uh, you know, we. But normally, we we are not living in all places at the same time. We focus on the environment that we're in, 
And that's normal. We only have so much of our mind that we can separate out. But when we really forcefully compartmentalize, and and you could think of uh, the duplicity, living a double life uh, or a triple life or a quadruple life that we've compartmentalized a whole area of our lives and we don't allow there to be any communication between that and another area of our life. And this is the kind of thing that can happen when somebody has an affair, for example, or uh, behaves in a way at work. I mean, I suppose, you know, I just, I only know this from the movies, but, you know, I'm in the kind of Catholic mafia thing that uh, these guys are like, well, the Godfather is becoming a Godfather. I mean, he's the baptismal sponsor for somebody's child and he's like calling hits on people uh, and, you know, running drugs and things. So some, somehow those things can coexist in his mind. And th- those are defense mechanisms. If he actually confronted or, or brought some of those things together, it can really cause uh, psychic breaks in us because we just can't reconcile certain things. And so the answer is not to be get develop better defense mechanisms. The answer is to actually work on integrating. And, and the one way that we can be all the same through all of life is actually by living a moral life, living in the truth, uh, acknowledging our, our weaknesses, embracing the good, striving for the highest ideal, the the thing that can really integrate is is being Christ-like, uh, to say it in a very simple Christian way. So um, we have a lot of defenses, which again are you know we we do intellectualize things. We're trying to understand something, and so we we move it into our head, and we don't feel it. We think about it, and we uh, remove the emotion from it. We we sort of uh, work our way through it in our mind, and and then the the emotional part, our heart, as it were, we kind of stuff somewhere else, and so we don't have to, you know. I mean, so when somebody witnesses, I, I imagine. Uh, this kind of thing can happen for somebody who's experienced trauma in in a war situation. You know, it's turning a person into uh, a, an enemy combatant, and uh, you know, we use certain language to to fortify this these kinds of things so that we can just handle life uh, after after experiencing some extreme kinds of trauma. And so, instead of really feeling what it means that uh, we just killed somebody or we watched somebody die on the battlefield. We, you know, we chalk it up to a number or we turn it into a strategy or we do other things like that. So, um, so we have, we have a lot of defenses to deal with the things in life that are really hard to deal with. And, and that can, as I say, uh, be wrapped around sinful behaviors and we can start to develop those kinds of splits in order to um, justify or, or live with ourselves in the face of different kinds of sinful behaviors uh, rather or, or rather than entering into somebody else's pain, we, you know, we intellectualize it or we compartmentalize it uh, so that we can go along with our life in the way that we want to go along with our life. So when we're talking about sinlessness, now, sometimes again, we do that uh, because that's whatever, uh, you know, the work shed that Joseph is working in doesn't need to come into the dining room mm-hmm. and he can leave things that are out there, but he's not forcibly exiling that part of his life out there. So if Mary says, how is work today? He can tell her how work was today. It isn't a, uh, we don't, it doesn't create an internal barrier against certain things. And, and that's how we radicalize these otherwise, you know, healthy internal processes in order to block out certain things or not feel certain things or 
not engage in, in certain situations. Um, Joseph could have compartmentalized the massacre of the innocents if he were, uh, you know, but being who he was, he's going to feel those things. Now, maybe in the moment he had to prioritize getting his family out of, out of Nazareth, but uh, he's, or out of Bethlehem, but he's going to come back to that. He's not just going to relegate that in denial to some other part of his psyche. He's going to feel the great loss of that evil that was done in his hometown. And at some level, because of his own son, uh, the son of God. So uh, those, those are the kinds of things we, we do with defense mechanisms. And, and so the first thing is not to judge ourselves. Maybe our listeners are thinking, gosh, I do a lot of these things. Uh, and there may be, as I said, healthy variants of that. Um, but do I do it in a way that really shuts down areas of my life that blocks out certain people that prevents me from facing certain things that ultimately leads to a, a, a double life, a lack of integration interiorly? And that's where we want to uh, pay attention and see, is there, are, there, are there some things that I really need to face? Do I need to face my own failures, uh, my own infidelity? Do I need to face my... Um, my own inadequacy or the or or the the difficult situations that are going on around me do i need to face the fact that you know my wife has cancer and uh i i have a hard time even dealing with the idea of losing her and so i just keep pretending she's okay and meanwhile she's being starved of affection because i don't want to face that fact and and we need to be gentle with ourselves because there's a reason that the mind is closing off some of these places because it's, it's painful and it's difficult. And so we need to have a, a, a little bit of uh, care and gentleness and facing some of these things. A lot of times, you know, a, a close friend, somebody we can talk with about it is a great help. Uh, obviously counseling is centered on these kinds of, uh, these kinds of things to explore areas that we're not facing in our life that we're not dealing with. And uh, their counselors are trained professionals at helping us to do that. But anyway, these are the kinds of uh, divisions inside of us that are a consequence of living in a sinful world that we have to defend ourselves against certain things. And then when those defenses out of our own sinfulness become hardened, and then when our hardened defenses also become uh, problematic and hurtful for other people, these are the kinds of cycles that we develop. And of course, you know, when we're hurting other people, they put up their defenses, which can, which can hurt us in return. And that leads into a, a nasty uh, dis- descending spiral. So. so as we go through that, there's a couple of initial thoughts I had, especially with what you're saying at the end, that yes, these are human nature. I mean, we have to have these types of defenses to be able to function. But there also is an element where we have to inevitably address the problem. As you said, in a caring, gentle way, address the fact that there's a problem in our life and we need to do something about it instead of ignoring it forever. And I, I liked how you articulated that, you know, there is harm. You, you essentially not wanting to address something is hurting other people and that we still are called to do it. And I think that in our society, there are, seem to be less and less things that are wrong that as a unit, the society unit is against. Um, but one of those that still remains is, is hypocrite. 
Um, if you're a hypocrite, that's something that universally people just um, disavow themselves with and don't want to be around. I think that this is um, an example of that. Um, and, and as we've said from the beginning, the way to avoid all of these problems is to try to avoid sin in the first place. Um, and, you know, sin can be defined as obviously all the big ones, you know, don't murder someone, you know, don't, don't commit an affair or anything like that, but also the little imperfections that come with us. Because one of the other things that human nature is, is that we all are kind of called to find a normalcy to be able to function. You know, as you were going through there, our mind only has so much capacity. If we're constantly trying to change everything, we won't be able to function in the moment. And that's not a real way to survive. So therefore, human nature isn't built to do that. So we all are at the same time building these defenses and called to a way to normalize it, which is as you went through that list, reconciling it, justifying it, intellectualizing it. Those are all different examples of there's a problem. There's a problem that's around us, but we're just going to kind of normalize it and try to get on with our lives so we can go through. Um, you know, if we think is one of the differences that you just brought up between our times and the biblical times in America, it's very stark that the government can just wake up one day and say, we're going to murder every single firstborn kid that's younger than three years old and have, essentially no repercussions for doing that same government will be in charge 30 years later um, with the exact same powers and obviously those who work behind the iron curtain understand that that's a thing but us in america can't even grasp that but you talk to people who have come out of the iron curtain how they said well that just became normal it became about just surviving for ourselves to move on and i can see how that's a normal intellectual thing to try to move on. So what I wanted to do with, with the second half of this episode was since we recognize we put up these defense barriers and we recognize they can be problemsome, and we also recognize that our bodies and minds are essentially built to have these so we can kind of keep it moving, if you will, which is denial. That's one of the things you mentioned in there as well. How can we address these types of thought process, recognize there's a problem, not have a mental collapse, because that's obviously not what we're calling our, our audience to do here, but recognize that there's a problem and essentially make ourselves better for the future. Um, as that was the calling in Advent and certainly is the calling of Lent to kind of, this is part of the Catholic faith is to be able to do this. And I want to kind of go through the X's and O's of how, how we ought to do this moving forward. Well, just uh, for you know, full disclosure, I'm not a psychologist, and uh, I don't want to tout myself as one. Um, I love these things, and I work with a lot of people, and so I pay attention, and uh, I, I like to learn, so I've read a lot. But anyway, just for full disclosure. And I, I very happily point people to a group of Catholic therapists in Indiana uh, who have a website called soulsandhearts.com. And they have a, a podcast there. It's very, it's really focused on a lot of these kinds of things. So for people who want to do a deep dive into uh, grief and shame and uh, different sexual sins and understanding defense mechanisms and kind of the internal things that are going on, it's a great place to go, uh, soulsandhearts.com. 
but the, they use a, a model that I really like called internal family systems. And the idea is that we have an internal family of parts. There's a, when we use that language, well, there's a part of me that uh, you know wants to eat that chocolate bar, but there's another part of me that knows that's not a good idea. And we have that kind of internal division so that St. Paul can say, like, I do not do what I want to do. I do what I hate. Uh, the good I want to do, I don't do. And so we, we, uh, he says, I'm at war in my members. And, and we have that experience that we, we feel an inner conflict. And, and a defense is doing that kind of thing. I like to say if there's a defense, it's defending something. And it's defending something important and something precious. And a lot of times we, in internal family systems, our defenses are conceived of as a, a sub-personality, a part of us. And uh, there generally are two two categories of defenses, managers and firefighters. Managers do things to you know make sure that they're always on time. Uh, uh, somebody who's maybe a, a little bit obsessive is, a, is an effort to control the environment, to make sure that nothing bad happens, that, that, that there's another part, I think of it as being beneath, uh, that the manager is standing in front of to protect. If I don't do this, and these are the kinds of things that develop in childhood, for example, when I was five minutes late, my father almost killed me. You know, that's not a true story about me, but that is a true story about some people. And it, when that happened, you know, and maybe at multiple times and things like that, but that kind of pattern developed this manager in me that's going to make sure I'm never less than five minutes early uh, or never, uh, yeah, less than five minutes early that I, I'm always on time. And then that becomes an effort to protect that little child who was five minutes late, probably in total innocence and who got clobbered by, uh, by an angry dad, you know, uh, and, and in cases of abuse and different kinds of trauma, those things are obviously more exaggerated, but we develop those sorts of defenses. And then that is fine as long as it's working, but then generally that runs into some problems later down the line. We, you know, you marry somebody who is always late and then, you know, my need to be on time clashes with her constantly being late and that causes, uh, you know, other, other internal and, and uh, marital struggles. So the question for me then is, okay, there's this part of me that's really determined to be on time. And then just to ask that part of me, why are you so determined to be on time? And the more that we can do that with some curiosity and compassion and being connected to that part of us and we do that not to judge, to control. It's not a reaction to, well, she beat, you know, my wife uh, causes me problems and I'm having anxieties. And then I yell at myself, why, why do you have to be on time? That's not the attitude, but, but really exploring internally. What's going on there? What's, what's, uh, what's happening? And sometimes we can kind of ask that part of us, why do you have to be so on time? And a, and a result, an answer can emerge from the depths of us. It's a, sort of fascinating to not really know everything that's going on inside of us and to learn things from talking to ourselves as it were. But anyway, we can just uh, explore that and, and maybe it comes back to us like, well, if you're not on time, you know, uh, that, that little, that little part of you is really going to get hurt. You know, dad's really going to be mad. Maybe the kind of spontaneous response that comes out and it's like, 
my dad's been gone for 15 years. Why am I still so fixated on this? Oh, well, there's, there's a little part of me that got buried in order to protect it and then got protected by this, uh, this, this manager to always be on time. So it's a very simple example, but that's the kind of thing that happens. And that's a, a good way to explore it. If I'm, if I'm in myself, kind of settled in myself, and I can have those qualities of compassion and calm and connectedness and curiosity and creativity, there's all these C words, um, then I can ask that part of me, you know, what are you afraid will happen or why are you so urgent about being, or or how did you develop such a strong, uh, you know, urgency to be on time, or whatever it is to be in denial, or to intellectualize, or to compartmentalize, or, you know, we can sort of look at that from a position of being in ourself, and that's where another, uh, a little part of us, a vulnerable part of us, uh, often will be exposed that we've sort of stuffed. We've exiled him is the language that internal family systems uses. We've we've exiled that part of us. And we can think if you've seen the movie Inside Out, you know, it's a, a kind of picture of what this is like. We have these little characters running around inside of us who have their own little personalities, even though Inside Out only calls them sadness or joy. They, of course, have much more robust personalities than merely sadness or joy or disgust or fear or anger. And uh and there are these kind of little personalities running around in us. And the more that we can work with them rather than trying to fight them. And the self, our seat of consciousness is like a conductor that's able to uh, send one in one direction to play one song because like anger is really important for us at the appropriate time. When there's something to be angry about, when there's evil to fight, well, we need anger to do that. So we don't need our, our, our punctuality part to do that. We need our anger part to do that. So that's where we can direct these parts, which are all good in themselves, but they develop problematic or harmful patterns. And then we, we learn those by paying attention to ourselves and paying attention when the people who are close to us go, you know, get, like get over it. Stop being so on time. It's not that big a deal. And then I say, huh, this is something that's in me. Let me take a look at this and see what I can figure out about that. And you can see how that kind of process would create itself. An analogy that came to me uh, was a lot of us will set up a long-term thing. Um, you know, the, the way that we're invested in the 401k thing, for instance, and then we'll never think about it again. We'll, we'll do it up front. Whatever our emotions and thought processes was at the time when we started that new job. And basically we will keep going that same operating system regardless. And rarely do we ever look back and revisit it because it's on autopilot now. A little bit of money comes out of our paycheck. We get a statement every now and then says it's growing, cool, but it's on autopilot. And so much of our human nature is designed to get us to essentially this state of, of autopilot. And when we're talking about traumas and things of this nature that you're bringing up, very often, the person that we are now is not the same person who was programming it back in the day. So as you're discussing here, something that happened when you were a child literally looked bigger because you were looking up at the world than it does now. But also, we can learn how we didn't even know this, but we were making absolute mountains out of something that's really small and irrelevant that we can navigate now with adult minds. 
And this being the Christmas season, as, as people are listening to this, we're um, you know bombarded by so much moving parts in this week. You know, many people have the week off. There's trying to drive around. I know the roads around me become crazy um, during this week, and it's it's something. But to just call and sit down in yourself to just kind of recognize some things that are going on in your own life that why am I like this? You know, is there a, is there something that, that needs to be hidden or, or am I really just overcompensating or, or putting something in one of those initial boxes we said that shouldn't it be done? And ultimately we know that the best answer moving forward is to be more like Christ and to not sin because then we don't have to deal with, um, the negative sides of hiding one part of our life from the other. Um, and again, you know, the parts of this is natural that, you know, you don't walk around work. Like my wife does not care what I did with the 20 different calls I had for work. She cares at the end of the day, the very high level stuff. Is it working? Are we happy? Are we doing everything right? Cool. Keep it moving. Um, and, and there's a certain element that we need that to function. But as we can look through about parts that have a little bit of a problem, um, you know, what are we doing wrong and where is this stemming from? So we can revisit how that operating system was created in the first place. So, Father, I want to give you a chance to, to give some final thoughts here as we conclude uh, today's episode. Well, just to say, uh, you know, these are these are great things to do also in prayer. And uh, I think you said it very well, Joe, the the kinds of patterns we develop, the ways that we've gone on autopilot, and it's always useful to revisit those. I imagine even things like 401ks or there may be other investment stra- strategies that we, you know, we, we keep dumping money into or we put a lot of time into or we worry about. It's like, why, why am I doing this again anyway? Sometimes it's really useful to just question some of those processes that we set up a while ago and why am I doing this? Um, now, often that happens when it becomes problematic. Uh, and and runs into relationship problems. But anyway, it's good to take stock, paying attention to our bodies, to stress, to things that are uncomfortable, things that we've just accepted, put up with for a long time, but might be worth just saying, why am I so stressed? What's this coming from? What, why am I putting this pressure on myself? And, uh, and, and look into some of the deeper reasons for that. But we can do that really uh, in prayer as well, just to hold that before the Lord and ask the Holy Spirit to give us some light and wisdom. And what a beautiful thing to do here this upcoming week. So we thank everyone for listening, and we will be with you again next week.